Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us today for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a five-week series entitled Guardrails. In this series, we're discovering how many of the regrets we have or will have can be avoided simply by establishing personal guardrails. Dr. Kelly is covering the most relevant topics like friendship, marriage, finances, and careers. This series offers a biblical foundation on why and how to establish guardrails in our lives. Now here's Dr. Kelly with today's message. So glad you are here. I don't know if this just happened to you. It hardly ever happens. But um, earlier when we were receiving the offering, the basket came by us twice. And I just feel glad to say to you that if that ever happens to your row, we are not trying to send you a message. Uh, it actually reminded me of a true story. I took my brother when I was at Duke. My brother and his family came to visit us, and I took him to Duke Chapel, and we worshiped there one day. And um, the ushers, I kid you not, they passed the basket down our row once, twice, and three times. And my brother on the second one, I saw him when it came by the second time, he goes, when it went by the third time, he goes, dude, now I see how they pay for this chapel. <laughs> we are not trying to send you that message. It is just hard to do. Why don't we give it up and give all of our ushers some love today. Thank you guys for serving. Give the, the stage team, look at this stage set, man. This is awesome. Incredible. We're starting a brand new series called Guardrails, and uh, here's what I know about this series. Um, most of you probably will not forget the name of this series. If you do, bless your heart, because there's no way you can really forget this one. It's very, very memorable. And let me just say to all the English majors, right, all the teachers out there, any of you who might be OCD, you can actually write guardrails one word or two words. So don't go freaking out. Don't lose any sleep over this one. Uh, I have chosen to do it one word, and, uh, but I will just go ahead and warn you every now and then. I think I'll throw it in there as two words just to make some of you happy and upset the rest of you. <laughs> Guardrails. It's going to be a good, good series. I want to look into the camera. I want to welcome all of our campuses. Why don't you give it up for the Garner campus over there in Garner, North Carolina. <laughs> give it up for the Sanford campus. Love you guys over there. North Raleigh campus, Columbia campus, coffee house campus. I just came, I just came from the coffee house and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is an incredible community up there. And if you ever sit here on Sundays and you think, you know what? I wish the music wasn't so loud. Or you ever think, you know, I really wish I could worship with a smaller community. Or you're just kind of tight and you thought, you know, I would love a free cup of coffee. Coffee House is for you. It is an incredible environment. As you can see, we're packed in here every single Sunday. So if you're interested in a kind of alternative worship, that actually sounds weird. Alternative, alternative community. No, that you know what I mean. <laughs> if you're interested in an incredible, different kind of worship environment, go up there. It's every Sunday. It's at 1045. It's the same time as this worship celebration. And I got a sneaky feeling some of you would just love that. Give it up for NCCIW, Daughters of the King. <laughs> loved, loved, loved being with you this week. Um, you guys, I just cannot, words can't explain how they worship. 
and how they love Jesus at NCCIW. And Chaplain McLaughlin, I just appreciate you. She was standing beside me, and she just kept saying, they genuinely love you as their pastor. And I just kept saying to her, and I want to say to you, this is what I kept responding to her. I just genuinely love you women at the NCCIW. And so many, so many of them told us, so many of them told us, listen, we're about to get out and we're coming to see you. And for those of you who are about to get released and you're coming to a campus, this is how we feel about that. This is how we feel about that. Welcome. We would love to have you to the television crowd, the internet crowd, all of that good stuff. Hey, two quick things and then we're going to jump into the word. Number one, 2.30 every Sunday now, every Sunday at 2.30, we are having a Spanish translation in our worship celebration right here at Central Campus. So if you know any folks who, yeah, you guys are just in a clapping mood today and I love that. Absolutely. If you, if you know anybody who needs or desires to have that translation every Sunday at 2.30. We're very, very excited. And in fact, they're doing a test run during this service to get ready at 2.30. Last but not least, FLE is this Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Financial learning experience. You've been hearing about it for a while. Joseph Sangle is speaking. Listen to me. I'm talking to every single person in here, every one of you. You don't want to miss this. We're doing it two nights, so you can pick your night, Tuesday or Thursday night. We are offering childcare, but we need to know that, and we're probably going to run out of space pretty quickly. So register online at newhopenc.org as soon as possible if you need childcare so that you get into that. Second thing we're doing is we are going to uh, be offering Christian chicken. Chick-fil-A, baby. Chick-fil-A. Um, you, but, but, but again, you got to register for that by 11 o'clock tomorrow, and um, we will be, we'll have that here if you do register for that. Amen. All right, let's pray together and let's go get this. Father, um, speak to us. God, if there's one thing of which I am certain, the series that we are about to go into today has the potential to change not necessarily the spiritual trajectory of our lives, but the physical trajectory of our lives. The series that we are about to embark upon today, Father God, is not so much about salvation, though we will talk about that. More than that, Father, it is about your people leaning in and gleaning from your word biblical principles that will keep us out of the ditches of life. Father, give us the wisdom, the wisdom to apply that which we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. Let me just talk to you a little bit today. Won't be a lot of hooting and hollering today. What, what I wanted, but you can hoot and holler all you want. Um, what I'm hoping to do more than anything today is I'm hoping to introduce you to a series that so whets your appetite that you would never, ever, ever even begin to think about missing a single Sunday over the course of the next five weeks. I want to talk to you about a series. I want to lay for you the foundation of a series that if you will lean in and if you will apply it, this is the kind of series that will make you a better person. Notice I didn't say this is the kind of series that will save your soul. One of my callings in life as I teach you Sunday in and Sunday out, there are some Sundays and some series where I'm just hoping to inspire you. There are other Sundays where I'm hoping to teach you good, solid theology. 
There are other Sundays and other series like this one in which more than anything, what I really want to do is make you and me a better person. Amen. I want to make you a better person because I don't know if you know this or not, but the truth is you can be a Christian and live a jacked up life. And what I hope you will actually understand from this series is that there is a big difference between following Jesus as Savior. He saved me. He died on the cross for me. I trust his bloodshed there. My sins are forgiven. There's a huge difference between knowing Jesus as Savior and knowing him as Lord. Lord is his mastership. Lord is surrendering to the authority of Scripture. Lord is allowing the power of God and the teaching of his word to come in and so shape our lives that our lives are different than the world's. Let me ask you this way. Maybe this will help us kind of frame this. How many of you have significant regrets in your life? Show of hands, uh, that's what I thought. Everybody raise your hand. If you have a regret or two or three or 300, raise your hand. That's what I thought. That's everybody. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you are either a liar or you haven't been living long enough. Right? And there are a lot of young people in here. And I love this. Spread the word, young people. This is a series for you. Now, think about those regrets. All those hands that popped up at all of our campuses. Think about your biggest regrets. Now listen closely. (laughs) Listen closely. Is it not true, and I would contend that it is, in fact, I would bet the farm on it, your greatest regrets in your life could have been avoided. Could have been avoided if you had made a decision to go this way instead of that way. They could have been avoided if you had decided to date this dude instead of that dude. Hello. They could have been avoided. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have fun up in here today. I see. I see. They could have been avoided if you had decided to marry this woman instead of that woman. Why didn't I get as much response from that as the other? That's very, very fascinating to me. They could have been avoided if you had decided to drink this instead of that. They could have been avoided if you decided to stop drinking this instead of keep drinking that. They could have been avoided if you had decided to stop with a single and not go all the way around the bases, if you know what I mean. I'm going to try to get serious and preach today, but you're going to make it hard, I can tell. The greatest regrets in our lives, let me just speak honestly, the greatest regrets in my life, and I have a ton, could have been avoided if I had set up some guardrails, if I had set up some boundaries, if I had allowed God's word to speak wisdom in my life, and then if I had applied that wisdom in my life. I'm talking to you about guardrails today, and they're everywhere, and the fact is they become so commonplace in our lives that most of us don't even recognize them anymore. I mean, when was the last time you rode down the road and went, there's a guardrail? Maybe since you heard about this series, but before that you did. They're everywhere. But have you really ever thought about guardrails? Guardrails, they're along the roads. They're, they're usually uh, over bridges, right? right? I mean, could you imagine crossing a big bridge without a guardrail? Mama mia, right? Guardrails are usually around medians where cars are going in opposite directions and they're crossing each other real closely. Guardrails are around curvy stretches of the road. I mean, could you imagine, right? Could you imagine driving down the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina without a guardrail? 
Okay, guardrails are there to protect us. Let me, let me talk to you about something else. Have you ever noticed that guardrails, have you ever noticed that where they are, the actual real estate where the guardrail is, have you ever noticed that if that guardrail were not there, you could actually drive on that piece of real estate? In other words, the guardrail is not necessarily in the danger zone. You could take that up and you could drive your tire right where that guardrail is. Now, I don't recommend it. But have you ever thought about that? This is a safe real estate to drive your car or your motorcycle upon. The guardrail is there not necessarily to keep you from this real estate. The guardrail is there to keep you from crossing over that into the danger zone of life. And God has laid throughout his word biblical guardrails to help us navigate the turns and the curves and the hazards and the dangers of life. They are in his word and that is where we're going over the course of the next six weeks. I'm going to be talking about the hot button issues. I mean the juicy topics, if you will, right? The ones that the culture loves to talk about. And I need to let you know this on the front end. Listen to me closely. This is not a series for the week. This series is not for the faint of heart. We are going after the big issues, and the question is going to become to you every single week, will you have the courage to apply biblical guardrails in your life? Because if you do, warning, you'll be ridiculed. If you do, the world won't understand it. If you do, people might look at you and say, well, that's stupid. Because guardrails are those things that really, when you think about it, this is what the culture looks at Christians about, and they love to ridicule Christians. There go those religious people again, all those rules, all those rules. That's why I don't like you religious people. They love to ridicule us with our rules, but then they love to taunt us when we end up in the ditch of life. Guardrails. Huge series of eternal importance. And we're going to go get that. Let me give you a definition of guardrail. I'm going to give you a Webster definition, and then I'm going to give you one that we're using throughout this entire series. Here's the Webster definition, a guardrail. It is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. That's a guardrail. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit Areas just for fun, just before I go any further, how many of you have actually hit a guardrail in your life? I, raise your hand if you've actually hit one. Yeah, that's me too. I'm with you. Uh, that, those are the those are the crazy people who thank God we're still here today. Amen. Amen. So he, here's what I want to do as we as we go. I want to give you another definition of guardrail. Here's the one that we're really going to be working from. If you're a note taker, write this down. Grab your teaching card and fill this in, or actually write in your Bible. Go to Ephesians Ephesians five. And write this down. Let's go to the second definition of guardrail. Here it is. Let's read this out loud together. A guardrail is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Let's go at that one more time. You got more in you. You all have kind of gotten a little melancholy on me since I started talking about regrets. Let's go. You ready? Ready? A standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Listen closely to me. I am going to encourage you in this series to actually develop a personal standard of behavior. 
We're actually going to talk about developing a conscience that is grounded and founded in the Word of God. Because again, your greatest regrets could have been avoided if you had developed this standard of conscience which represented a guardrail that kept you out of trouble. You might call this the principle of the guardrail. The principle of the guardrail. Now, if you're in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Let me tell you a little bit about Ephesians. Uh, This is the church that Paul started in Ephesus. And what you need to know about Ephesians is they weren't necessarily an immoral community like the Corinthian community. They were kind of amoral, if you will. They were a lot like the United States of America today. They were just kind of indifferent. And, and Paul is speaking to this community. And by the way, if you've ever wanted to go to the Holy Land, mark your connect card. In 2015, I'm taking a group of you in what we're calling the footsteps of Paul. So we're going to go to Ephesus. We're going to go to Corinth. We're going to go to Rome. We're going to go to Patmos where John wrote the book of Revelation. We're going to all these places. Love to have you in that trip. It's in 2015. It's more than a year away. We'll go to this city, Ephesus, where Paul is teaching them. And and what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to give you one example, just one, and then we're going to be done today. Kind of give you a a little glimpse of where we're going today. Paul is teaching them throughout Ephesians, and you kind of get the sense that he's getting a little, he's losing his crowd, if you will. And if you're a public speaker, communicator, you know how that is. So he kind of is losing his crowd. Maybe they're starting to feel like he's being a little too stringent, too many rules. And so Paul lays out, if you will, or firmly plants a guardrail around an incredibly relevant subject that every single person in this room and at all of our campuses deal with on a regular basis. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. If you're ready for the word, say, let's go, pastor. All right, I love it. Here we go. Ready? 15. Be very, what's that word? Be very careful then how you live. I can stop right there. Seven words in and there's a guardrail. Paul is saying, listen, Christians, listen to me very closely. Be very careful how you live. Be very careful what you think, what you do. That that phrase, be very careful, Paul is actually saying, if you studied in the Greek, Paul's basically saying, hey, don't go there. Be very careful about where you go. And he's about to unpack that on a very relevant subject. The best illustration I can give you is in my backyard. We, we have, um, my boys from South Carolina are going to watch this and I'll probably get ridiculed about this. We have a sissy dog. His name is Buddy. He is a little white sissy Maltese. Lap dog. We love him. I mean, we love him. But where I'm from... Like the dogs I grew up around would eat Buddy as an hors d'oeuvre, if you know what I mean. I mean, he is just a sissy. He's white. He's fluffy. But we love him. He's the family dog, and we love him. Well, Buddy, when he's being a good boy, Buddy um, goes outside to use the bathroom. And when he goes outside the back door, Buddy goes out, and we have a backyard. It's kind of, it's more, um, it's, it's more of a rectangle. And he goes out, and, and, and thankfully, he takes a right, and he goes down into the corner of the yard, and that's where he uses the bathroom, instead of just going wherever he wants every time. Now, when we go out in the yard to play sports, because I'm always out in the backyard playing football or wiffle ball with the kids, you know, we, what do you think? Do you think we play in that part of the yard? 
We, we stay away from that part of the yard. In fact, if you, when my friends come over and we go out in the back or I have staff parties over there, I'm like, dude, listen, we're playing over here. Be very careful. Don't go over there. The Bible is saying be very, very careful. Don't, don't go in this area that I am about to talk to you about. Let's continue. Verse 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as, help me out church, what's that word? Not as unwise, but as, what is it? So he sets up this contrast. Be very careful how you live. There are going to be times when you can go anywhere. I'm about to talk to you about an area that you do not want to go. I'm about to talk to you about how to live your life with wisdom instead of being unwise. Making the most of every opportunity because what, church? Because what? Now, do I even need to spend any time trying to convince you that the days are evil that we live in? Right? We all know that. These are dark days. These, and, and they're getting even more dark as we live. And Christians living in the 21st century in a postmodern culture in many contexts, they actually so blend in with the evilness of the day and the dark days that there is no difference between Christians and non-Christians. So like I said, this is, this is for the courageous. This is, this is not for the faint of heart. This is for those who actually want to live in the world but not be of the world. And he's about to unpack on a topic that relates to all of us. Look at verse 17 and 18. Therefore, now I've told you before, whenever you see a therefore in the scriptures, you should always ask yourself, what is it therefore? Circle it. And look back because the word therefore is, is planted in the scriptures throughout. The translators are making a point. Listen, therefore, what we just talked about, i.e., be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as what? Wise, making the, best of, making the most of every opportunity. Paul is saying, therefore, therefore, look at what he says. Do not be foolish, but, help me out, but what? But understand what the Lord's will is. Now that word understand, again, if you're a note taker, I don't know why you wouldn't be taking notes on this in your Bibles or on your card there. That word understand, if you really study it, the word is saying, hey, come to terms with this. Embrace this. Grasp what I am about to say to you. Accept what I'm about to say because this is a guardrail. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get Drunk on wine, which leads to, what is that? When was the last time you've been debauched? <laughs> what is that, man? That's not a word that's in our vocabulary, right? We don't use that word much. Hold on to that. I'll actually get to that in just a moment. Paul is saying, listen, these are, these are evil days that we live in. And, 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 I am calling you as a Christian to live wise instead of unwise. And one of the ways in which you as a Christian are called to live a wise life as opposed to an unwise life is to not get drunk on alcohol. And notice this. This is key. Paul doesn't say, hey, don't get drunk on wine because it's a sin. He doesn't say that. 
Now, he could because if you study the scriptures, it's very, very clear that if someone can have a responsible drink of alcohol, the Bible does not frown upon that. But it's very, very clear in scripture. If someone even gets anywhere near drunkenness, it is a sin. But hold that thought for a moment. What's very, very interesting is Paul doesn't use the sin argument to convince us to not get drunk. Did you catch the argument? He said, don't get drunk on wine because that leads to debauchery. To which you say, what in the heck is debauchery? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's read it together. Debauchery. It'll make sense when you hear it. Go. Extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. All of our campuses, one more time. Ready? Go. Extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. The Bible is not saying, hey, don't get drunk because it's a sin, though it could. The Bible's not saying, hey, don't get drunk because if you get drunk, you're not going to heaven. Couldn't say that. We know that. We're not saved by anything we do. Amen? The Bible is saying the reason you don't want to get drunk is because if you get drunk, if you go beyond that guardrail, there is danger on the other side. If you go beyond that guardrail and consume so much alcohol that you are inebriated and you lose control, your mugshot could end up on the local news. If you have a proclivity for getting drunk and you go over that guardrail too many times, your mugshot could be on the national news whereby you killed someone. If you go over that guardrail too many times, this old boy might be standing over you at a funeral burying you. It is that heavy. These guardrails are that important. And in this series, I mean, guys, we're going, we're talking about the big subjects. I mean, we're hitting them all. And what you need to know is in our culture, our culture throws up these flimsy guardrails. And the problem with many Christians is they step into these flimsy guardrails that the culture puts up and then we go over and we destroy our lives. Let me explain to you what I mean. Here's a flimsy guardrail. Have you ever thought about this? This is the message you hear on television and everywhere else about alcohol. Here it is. Drink responsibly. What does that mean? Nothing, I mean, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's a bad thing for the culture to say, but make no mistake about it. Usually it's from brewery companies that are just trying to have a positive PR so they can keep selling alcohol, number one. Number two, but think about it. Have you ever seen anybody say, honey, honey, I think we're drinking irresponsibly. (laughs) Usually, here's what it is. It usually looks something like this. Honey, I think we're drinking irresponsibly, but about now, I don't care. Right, 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 right. Here's another one. Here's another one. Young people, listen. Don't have sex until you're ready. What is that? What is that? What is that? I got two things to say to you. Number one, that's a flimsy guardrail. That's like riding along the Blue Ridge Parkway and there is no guardrail there and someone's just painted an orange line. There's your guardrail. (laughs) 
Don't have sex till you're ready. To which some of you would say, I've been ready since I was born. <laughs> what is that? What is that? that that's, that's a flimsy guardrail that, 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 that doesn't do any good, right? Not a bad saying, right? right here, here's another one. You hear this in culture all the time. Talk to your kids about drugs. Now, a good statement. Nothing wrong with it. We should talk to our kids about drugs. But listen, parents, I want to give you a warning. that If all you do is start talking to your kids about drugs once they hit the high school years, many of you will be talking to your kids about drugs while they're sitting there going, man, I'm loving the drugs. For real. This is a message about girding yourself in the wisdom of God. And understanding that the guardrail is there to keep you from crossing over. And if you are a parent, I don't know about you, but like I, I'm a parent. So I find that most of what I'm doing is I'm putting up guardrails for my children. And most of what I'm doing is I'm putting up guardrails so that my children and I can have all kinds of conflict back here. Away from the guardrail. Because if you are a good parent, then you know you would rather have conflict with your kids right here away from the guardrail, if you will, than to get back here with them after they have gone over and their life is destroyed. Guardrails is what we are talking about. And it is incredibly significant. And let me just say this. Again, just trying to lay a foundation today. Alcohol is not the only thing that leads us to a loss of control. There are some good things in our culture, good things that actually result in a loss of self-control. Food. Food. Food can lead to debauchery. Materialism. Oh, my Lord, materialism, where we so worship things of this world that we actually start to skirt and flirt with idolatry, and we can lose control because we worship stuff. Fortune and fame. Oh, how many times have you seen people, pastors included, who get so jacked up in this whole concept of fortune and fame that they actually lose self-control? As a result, drugs, drugs can lead to debauchery. And again, listen, we, we live in dark days. We live in a country now where drugs have marijuana, for example. You know, you might, I, I read the statistics. Some of you might think, man, that's, that's, that's no problem with that. I'm waiting for them to legalize it here in North Carolina. Drugs now, marijuana is now legalized in, I think it's more than two states, but have you thought about this? The two states, the two states that made it to the Super Bowl, they had legalized marijuana. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that yet. Obviously, the Denver Broncos were smoking some before the game. But let's get serious for a moment. Did anybody see what happened last week to Philip Seymour Hoffman? In my humble opinion, one of the best actors of the day. I mean, the roles he played and the way he played them. 
Maybe you didn't hear about it. 46 years old. Found in a Greenwich apartment in New York City last Sunday. Dead with a needle still stuck in his arm. 70 bags of heroin. Three young children will now grow up with their dad and you and I will never see him play a role again. And as I saw that unfold, maybe because I was in that world, as I saw that unfold, I thought, so sad. So sad. And here was my second thought. Lord, could that have been prevented? Could that have been prevented if he had just learned at an early age? And again, I'm not talking about even if he's a Christian. This is not about salvation. Could this have been prevented in Hoffman's life if he had been taught at an early age to put guardrails up in your life that keep you from going anywhere near those things that cause you to lose self-control? This is where we're going, church. This is where we're going. And some of you are here and you're thinking, I don't really need this. I'm not sure. Like, I think God will protect me. Hello, this is how God protects you. Don't insult yourself by saying, I can keep doing this or I can keep doing that. God will protect me because I am a Christian. Beloved, this is how God protects you. He gives you guardrails. And then he gives you choice. As to whether or not you will put up guardrails in your life that keep you from major disaster, major collateral damage, major wrecks, major crashes and burns. Some of you might be thinking, well, I think God will just yell at me. He'll put a spiritual two by four upside my head whenever I get too close to the guardrail. He might. I'm very careful to never say what God will do and what God will not do because God is God and God can do whatever he wants to do. But you know what I found after following Christ for 25 years? He usually doesn't yell at us. He usually doesn't bark orders at us. You know what God usually does? You know what God does to me? And I think he does this to you. Whenever we start to get close to that area, God says... don't go there come on it's why it's called the still small voice I'm talking to you about a conscience I'm talking about allowing the word of God to shape a foundational conscience in your life so that whenever you start to get close to a guardrail, you hear God's spirit say, don't go there. And you've so built a spiritual conscience in your life that the warning signs on the dashboard of your life start to go off and you know, I'm not going near there. 
And people will ridicule you. People will think you're stupid. People will think you are a zealot. But then they will laugh at you when you wreck your life and end up in the ditch. And as I've been talking today, like I haven't even hit any major subject. Just have alcohol today ever so briefly. But even as I've been talking, some of you are sitting there and you know what? God's saying <clears throat> to you. I don't know what he's saying to you, but you do. And that spirit's saying, you need a guardrail right here. Spirit is speaking to some of you, and my challenge to you today as we walk out of those doors at any of our campuses is to start planting guardrails. Here are the topics we are going to be hitting, so get ready. We're going to be talking about friendships and relationships. We're going to be talking about sex. We're going to be talking about how to put up good boundaries in your life. And by the way, I'm going to be coming clean on my guardrails. Like, I'm going to be laying out for you public guardrails that I put up in my life now for 15 years. Only went public with them about six years ago. You would not believe the ridicule I took from Christians in the church who said, that's stupid. Why do you have that guardrail? That seems a little over the top. Because if I go to that point... This is what guardrails do. If I go to that point with females, it's not a sin. But when you go to that point with the person of the opposite sex, you have then put yourself in a position that it is very easy to go right on over the guardrail and wreck your church and wreck your marriage. And I'm going to share that again. We're going to talk about guardrails with finances. I'm going to share with you personal guardrails that I put up in my life as I lead this church financially. And some of you are going to think, that's kind of over the top. Why does he do that? It's not because I don't trust myself. It's not because the staff or the personnel of this church doesn't trust me. No. It's because it's a guardrail. It's to keep me Far away from an area where if I am not careful, I can be another statistic and another pastor who has a moral failure and gives the body of Christ a black eye. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at marriage. We're going to be looking at consumption. And then, oh, my Lanta, write this down. March 9th, Maurice Claret. The, yeah, the best running back in Buckeye, Ohio State history who went straight to the NFL and crashed his entire life and his entire career because he didn't have guardrails. He's going to be in the house. It's going to be awesome. And here, here's how it went down. I'm watching. If you haven't seen this, go online and you probably can see it on ESPN. Just go through your DVR and you can record it. ESPN did a 30 for 30 on Maurice Claret. And I'm watching it late one night. This was around Christmas time, man. And, and I'm late. It's late. I'm watching this thing. And I'm like bawling at this dude's story and how he just crashed and burned. And I just felt led to tweet about him. So I, I hit him up on Twitter and said, I praise God for Maurice Claret and what God's doing in his life. Homeboy responded back to me. 
had, had heard of you and heard of this church, and, and we started having a little dialogue, and, and the next thing I know, he's, he's agreed to come and be with us on March 9th. You don't, you don't want to miss, and, and we got so much time today. I'm, I'm about to wrap up, but we're so ahead of schedule. This is good. I want to show him that video. This is, a little, this is a little clip from ESPN just to kind of get you ready. I'm telling you, listen, you want to invite every friend you know to March 9th. But for that matter, guys, and I said this in the newsletter this week, this is a series to get every person you can get to. I don't care if they're a believer. Even the most atheistic person out there, maybe you're here and you don't believe, you will listen to the truth in God's word, and you might not believe Jesus is Lord and Savior, but you will not be able to deny the fact that there is truth in these guardrails, and even if you're not a Christian, you do not want to go over into these ditches. Check this out. Ohio State today submitted a self-report to the NCAA outlining violations of Bylaw 12, amateurism, and Bylaw 10, ethical conduct. Maurice Claret will not be eligible to practice for or compete in any football games during the 2003 regular and postseason competition. Happening in Columbus is a major issue. Maurice Claret is a young man without a lot of respect. He sold out everybody at Ohio State. He sold out the program. He's selfish. Anticipating severe NCAA sanctions and with a slow drip of negative news stories about the culture of Ohio State football. I always said that this is a very difficult place to be a college football player. Expectations, visibility, so many people want to be around them. Anytime we don't succeed, you know, it's disappointing. Head coach Jim Trestle under pressure at Ohio State amid the controversy. I don't think everybody's so focused on this game. There's really no way for the Ohio State University to recover from the damage to its public image in this. The senator and the beast of the Youngstown legend. Great story. You're making history today. This is unbelievable. Investigators are looking into ties to drug trafficking. Trying to find answer questions, too. Yeah, we're doing the guns. The cloud of mysteries surrounding this entire situation. They're asking, what the hell? I'd like to say, there's two sides of the story. Went all the way to the NFL. Never, ever touch the ball in the NFL in a game. You might recall the night he was busted. It hit national television. Cops stripped his car. They laid out more guns than they actually can cover this entire stage. The guns they pulled out of his car. Vodka was his killer. Could not shake it. Was trying to go to practice in the NFL. Drunk on vodka. Was busted that night. Laid on national TV. Went to prison. Did a long prison term. Got out as early as he could possibly get out because of perfect behavior in prison. And yes, he's living a, a testimonial life right now. But if he could look you in the face, which he will do and tell you, put up the guardrails. He had the brightest future before him. The crash and the burn was so great that it's gone. Parents, you're in here and you know, you know parents. 
thing you want to do more than anything is the same thing I want to do. You want to teach your children how to live on this side of the guardrail and not go over and destroy your life. But stop thinking about your children for a moment and if that's what any good parent would do, isn't that exactly what we expect from our Heavenly Father? Isn't that exactly what we expect from a good God? And that is exactly what our good God has done. He has taught us throughout the scriptures, not only that Jesus Christ forgives sin and gives us eternal life, but listen to me, there is a better way to live. There are these biblical guardrails that scripture lay out for us. But here's the unfortunate reality. Very few people, very few people put them up. And live by them. And my vision for New Hope Church is not that we would be a church full of thousands of people, but our lives are still jacked up. My vision for your life and my life is that we would actually integrate and appropriate and apply the guardrails that Scripture puts up for us around the issues that tend to destroy us. So that we can be saved the damage, the heartache, the devastation, the pain. Listen to me. The crash and burns that are sometimes so extreme that you can't recover from them. This is what I pray for us. This is what I'm trusting God will do in this series. And I pray that as you walk out of those doors today, you'll actually keep hearing God's Spirit speak to you. This is where you need a guardrail. And you would do everything you can to let this series change the trajectory of our lives. Last thing and I'm done. You remember at the very beginning of the message, I said, how many of you got regrets? We all raised our hands. Remember that? And I said, and I still stand by Almost all of your regrets, almost all of my regrets could have been avoided if we had applied the stuff that we're looking at in this series. But I want to invite you to stop looking behind you. That's the past, amen? I want us to turn into the future. And what if you could see into the future? And I know none of us have a crystal ball, but this is what vision is all about. I don't know about you, but I can look into the future of my life and I can see the destruction and the devastation that will come, the shame that will be brought upon this church and upon me and upon my family and upon my children. I can see the devastation. I wonder if you could look into the future of your life and get a God-sized vision of what could happen in your life if you don't put up guardrails. And conversely so, I want you to look into the future and get a God-sized vision of how beautiful and free of devastation and destruction and heartache and pain that can happen in your life if you were to put up guardrails. Life is about often being at a fork in the road. Which way are you going to go? The reality is no one, no one, no one, no one has ever regretted putting up a guardrail. Did you hear me? 
No one. I thought about that this week. Nobody. I have never known anyone who put up a guardrail and regretted it. But the world is full of people who wish they had. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let the church say, Amen. Pray with me. Father, as I, um, as I thought about this series, and particularly today, I realized that no one has ever regretted. No one has ever regretted planting a guardrail. But the world is full of people who wish they had. Father, would we not be the latter group, but would we be men and women who glean from your word in this series around the trickiest of subjects? the truth that you have laid out, the wisdom that you have laid out in your word, and would we be a people courageous enough to put up guardrails? Would we be a people, Father, who did not care what others say or what others think because we've set up boundaries in our lives to keep us out of the ditches? Father, this is not for the faint of heart. So speak to us. May we rise up. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving enough to give us this wisdom in your word. That is exactly what we expect from a Heavenly Father. And the reality, God, this is exactly what we want to do for our children. So speak to us and give us your wisdom. We will follow and plant these guardrails. This, I pray, God, for the community of New Hope Church. God, I I desire deeply that you would not just be Savior of our lives. God, I look at a lot of Christians in the world today, and they're saved They're saved. They might even be baptized. They might even be a member of a church, but their lives are disastrous. Let it not be so with us. Thank you again for laying this out in your word. Speak to us, we pray. Change us. Change us in this series. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.